You're listening to Preservation Destination, the podcast where we explore the history of the built environment. Whether you are a preservation pro, dabbler, or just into fascinating history, you are in the right place. Join our host, Taylor Volz, as she interviews experts in the field of preservation as they pass their knowledge on to us. And here is your host of Preservation Destination, Taylor Volz. Welcome to this week's episode of Preservation Destination. Today, my guest is preservationist Jessica Reeves. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Sure. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. So I'm originally from Middle Tennessee. I've lived here uh, pretty much all of my life, and uh, I work currently for the Metro uh, Metropolitan Historical Commission or Metro Historical Commission, uh, which is uh, a local government agency for the combined city county government of Nashville and Davidson County. Okay. Yeah, I did some I did some googling and the the wording of the Nashville Commission and then there's the larger state commission. Right. <laughs> that, that was like, let me make sure these are two different things. Yes, they're two different things. They just have very similar titles. Very similar. We get a yeah. lot I get a lot of phone calls for things that we have to say, "Oh, no, actually, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that problem. You actually want to talk to somebody at the state." Uh, but a lot of times, if you just search for things, if you Google things, we come up higher in the in the search queue than the than the shipo does. So. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe people like you guys better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um. So let's start with your education. Um. You have a bachelor of science and a master of arts in history from MTSU, which is Middle Tennessee State University. Is that right? Yes, okay. <laughs> I should know that. That's where my husband <laughs> went to school for a little while. Um, but how, how did you get from a Bachelor of Science into, into history and then preservation? So MTSU likes to give really weird and like complicated degrees. Okay. <laughs> so my degree, technically I studied public relations okay. in undergrad. Which seems a little bit less of a leap, I think, public relations to public history. Mm -hmm. But it was listed as a Master of Science. I don't know why. And my degree is in mass communications with an emphasis in public in journalism. I can't even remember it now. Mass communications, emphasis in journalism, concentration in public relations. So like 15 layers to mm -hmm. get down into that. And then the same thing with my history degree. It's a Master's in History emphasis in public history and then there's sort of a concentration and you can choose between different things i chose preservation and cultural resources management okay. which was which was a little bit more of the focus than preservation was so yeah i mean i i i really just sort of picked something when i was 18 and in college and right. sure this sounds fun i want to <laughs> live in a big city and I like the idea of working with sort of clients, things that were diverse, sort of project-based things, going from, you know, person to person, not just doing the same thing every day. I graduated in 2007, which you and the listeners at home may remember being a little bit of a tiny little, like, recession yeah. thing yeah. happening. You know, as I'm graduating with no experience in a field where we're always the first to go. Mm -hmm. So I um, actually moved to Boston in 2007, worked for AmeriCorps, a program called City Year, uh, where I worked in kindergarten classrooms. We did, you know, projects in the neighborhood. And uh, that's where I met my boyfriend. Uh, he was the same way. He had studied psychology. Yeah. And then graduated. And, and so we did that for a year. And then... Just sort of, I was, I really, I liked history, but it had never been something I thought I really wanted to study. Um, 
but again just I was like 24 25 let's find something that I think is interesting mm-hmm. um and I saw so weird I saw a tv show I was on like the discovery channel about rare book binding okay and I thought I could do that that's really <laughs> interesting I yeah mean, why I like books mm-hmm. I could I could do that and so I, I started searching for programs to do that library science things or, or things like that which are sometimes lumped in with museum studies and that's when I found out that MTSU had had a public history and preservation and museum studies program you know all the whole time I'd been an undergrad and I didn't even know it mm-hmm. so I, I started there and sort of immediately abandon the idea of archives <laughs> and and rare books. I took a material culture class actually and I just thought it was so cool that you could sort of read objects and landscapes mm-hmm. and that just really intrigued me and so that's that's when I started looking more into preservation and, and decided that's what I was going to study. So that kind of answers a little bit about what my my next question was mm-hmm. like why you chose to do the the history the master's in history and not like an actual narrowed down preservation master's right. degree. I mean really it was I was back home and MTSU was close by so I was right. like well, let's just do that one. <laughs> But I, I really like the idea. It sort of scared me at the time, and it still scares me sometimes, to think of myself more as a public historian mm-hmm. and not so much as a preservationist. But, I mean, I think it, it was really, it was a good, it was a good focus for me. It was a lot of history, a lot of reading on writing and research and sort of being in the field of, of, his, of history and sort of putting your work in the scope of what other people are talking about. Mm-hmm. But you're also communicating that to the public, which I always really liked. Mm-hmm. And how long is that that program? How long is that master's? Well, it's supposed to be two years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us take a little longer to get through. Um, they, they do have, I did write a thesis mm-hmm. as part of that. And I, I actually got a certificate as well. So it was, it should have taken me three years. It took maybe five or six, but... <laughs> Classwork took three years, and then I took a few more years on my own to, mm-hmm. to really delve into my research, you know. Yeah, I Procrastinate mostly yeah. on writing my thesis. Uh, I think you're not the only one that's been <laughs> in that situation, so that I totally understand. I, yes. I went the route of I did a practicum instead mm-hmm. of a thesis because I didn't want to write a thesis. Yes. <laughs> so I did like a whole summer of basically just working – for free instead of right. instead of writing anything and and even then after that it still took me because I still had to submit like a written sort of I guess overview of right. my like my all of my coursework mm-hmm. that I did to graduate and that that still took me a little bit of time too afterwards yes. so it's kind of like once you finish all your classwork it's like then you're up to your own devices. Yes, exactly. It's like, okay, it's up to you when you actually finish this. Or do you want to, we had to, I had to be enrolled in one thesis hour every semester until oh, I finished. Yeah. So every semester I didn't finish, like there's $650 out the, out the window. Mm-hmm. It still did not motivate me. It took, it still <laughs> took forever. You would think like money would be the motivator, but mm-hmm. no. Yeah, well, we we got there though. That's all that matters. <laughs> I I made it. Yeah, yeah. What was your? I I didn't write this down, but what was your thesis on? So, um, I intern. We have an internship was a requirement mm-hmm. for the program, and I interned at the Chief Plenty Coup State Park in 
prior Montana, just outside of Billings. So I actually wrote my thesis on the cultural landscape of uh, of Chief Plenty Coup State Park. So okay, uh, Plenty Coup is the last like sitting chief of um, of the Crow people. He built a house out on you know the land, his allotted land in like 1887. I want to say. Mm-hmm. I do not remember right now. <laughs> That's very bad of me. Um, so he built a house there, and then when he died, he didn't have any. He had a, an adopted daughter, but didn't have, he and his wife didn't have any other children, and so he donated his land. He wanted to give it to the state to be a park for all people okay. to enjoy. So that it's a state park. It was very interesting to be a state park on reservation land mm-hmm. that was also sort of like in between two counties so if we needed something we, i wrote a disaster management plan for okay. as part of that when i was there and trying to figure out like if there's a fire who do we call right five different people <laughs> in five different places mm-hmm. it's just a toss-up as to who gets here first because the you had to we would have to notify the people at crow agency which is like the the capital of the reservation but they are in a different county than we are located billings is closer to us so they could actually probably get there first mm-hmm. but you have to go through crow agency yeah and it was just it was sort of a mess of state and federal politics and red tape but mm-hmm. it was re- it was really interesting so i i worked in their collections i was the only person who had any sort of like formal training and even then i had a year of graduate school, yeah. but I was cataloging. They had an like an older version of Past Perfect. Okay. Um, and they someone had numbered things at some point, and basically I just I sat in the basement all summer long mm-hmm. and I updated the numbering system yeah. and made sure you know everything you could find, find things, um, which was. It was fun, and it's in its own sort of way, I guess. Yeah. But I really got to know the collection a lot, and so again, you know, the idea of reading objects I thought was really interesting. So that was part of part of my thesis: is how can we look at the landscape and what does it tell us about what Plenty Coup believed about you know his life and his role in governing his people as things are, are drastically changing. Um, with reservations and and the same thing he had a rosary you know he was baptized there's a catholic church just down the street Mm -hmm. uh, from the park Um, but he also had like there are medicine bundles bundles i couldn't even touch as as a woman i wasn't allowed to touch like certain things in the collection Mm -hmm. Um, so sort of these two ideas that he was carrying you know about himself and his spirituality and and just what we can learn from he didn't write any of that down yeah. You know, so just the, the things he kept could tell us about him. Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. Thanks. I, yeah. I, I like to think so. Yeah. No, I love <laughs> I love hearing the, the projects like that that people have worked on because yeah. so often it's stuff that I, I don't even think of or have any concept right. of. So it's really exciting to hear. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I end up like at the end of these things with like 16 different things I have to Google yes. and books I have to buy. I'm like... Oh, so much research. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you talked about your your experience as a collections intern, mm-hmm. and then you also have experience as a graduate research assistant. Right. So did your work in those roles while you were pursuing your master's degree influence your decision to apply for your current position? 
you know what? Not really. Okay. I don't think they were. They're sort of very different from what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, the market is a little saturated, I would say, in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, especially having MTSU and all of the graduates coming out of there. A lot of people come and are willing to go. You know, they either want to go home or they want to go off somewhere else. But right. a lot of people come to MTSU because they want to be in Nashville. Right. They want to be in the area. So there are a lot of people sort of fighting for, you know, the, the very few jobs that are that are in the area. Mm-hmm. So most, I mean, the collection stuff that was all very museum-based, I knew I didn't want to do that, though. I worked in retail and sort of food service, you know, uh, as a grad student. I didn't want to do the public-facing museum stuff where I felt like I had to be on all the time mm-hmm. and engaging with people. But as as nice as I thought the basement you know, in the the summer long basement trip was that that wasn't really what I wanted to do either. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do enjoy research, and that's a lot of what I did as a graduate research assistant. I was working on a Trail of Tears project with the Center for Historic Preservation, um, which is is part of MTSU, sort sort of. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they run a, a bunch of different programs out of there, including the the Tennessee Civil War Heritage Area. Okay, um, and then. The center does a lot of projects both in, you know, the Nashville, Murfreesboro area, but then also across kind of the southeast. Um, so it's like a little mini training ground for preservationists. You could be a grad student. So you have like an adult who is ultimately responsible for the project, but you get some hands-on training as well. So that, that's a lot of what that was. And I did enjoy enjoy that surveying and researching, driving around, you know, a bunch of different counties and looking at we were basically trying to determine the route that the Trail of Tears took through okay. this area and mm-hmm. if there are any structures still standing where they would have passed by. Mm-hmm. And then those would be included on, on the list. Um, so it was hard to, to figure out. I mean, from the early 1800s, it, it's easy to know, like, oh, sure, this house would have been there, but not necessarily would people have stopped here. Right. Would they have just like walked by? Like, what exactly would that have looked like? So mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was interesting though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the my role now, yeah. I sort of forced my way into it. I, we'll, <laughs> we'll skip ahead to to some of your other questions uh, about me being an intern. I just I knew since I worked in Montana, I knew people out there. I heard connections. I didn't really know anyone in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So it was basically like me forcing my way into being like known in in the city I was like I'll just come be an intern volunteer I was nannying three or four days a week I was like I'll come work at your office for one or two days a week yeah scanning filing doing some research you know they were they were really good about trying to engage me in doing things like Mm -hmm. useful things I mean there's always stacks and stacks and stacks of boring papers that people can scan and then have digital copies and it's very important work but they were really good about trying to give me interesting projects to work on Mm -hmm. Um, so then when someone in the office went on maternity leave I was the natural selection to oh why don't you just stay on kind of keep doing what you're doing take on a few of her responsibilities and then I was you know there still part-time but I was getting paid yeah. For, you know, four or five months. Mm-hmm. And then when a, a job actually opened up a little over a year later, 
um, they asked me to come back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was there part-time, and then I had to apply. There were, like, 100 people who applied mm-hmm. for the one one job. Yeah. And I just knew they were going to interview someone else and just be like, oh, this dummy we've had here for a year. <laughs> she doesn't know anything. You're way better. Uh, so it was – I thought it would be a lot easier. Like, oh, I'm – Definitely, definitely getting this job. No, it was mm-hmm. it was a million times worse. Like they were going to not only hire someone else, but discover I was a fraud and <laughs> they just run out of town. So yeah, sort of a, a complicated way to uh, to get into <laughs> to get into the job, but it worked. Yeah. Well, there's I, I I mean I hear about these positions that that come open. Like there was one that I applied for, and when I found out who got the job eventually mm-hmm. I was like holy crap <laughs> yeah like I, I don't even know why I thought that I <laughs> exactly that, like I thought I had a really good chance and then I'm like reading this this woman's stuff and I'm just like wow yeah so much experience and you know but you're right it, it, it is anywhere where they're pumping out students anywhere yeah. where there's a degree program there's there's going to be stuff yes. like that even in places where there are decent amount of jobs you know like in new orleans there are yeah not it's not horrible you know it's not great but it's not right. horrible <laughs> there's still you still have that same problem and right then, and then i you know so many of the people that i know just started like doing consulting on their right. own yeah. because they couldn't get in anywhere or they didn't like what people are doing or or whatever yeah you know i mean that's the best i mean sort of make your own path forward is is the best way to do it sometimes mm-hmm. just figure out be flexible like i mean i i applied for plenty of museum jobs even yeah. though that's not what i wanted yeah but yeah i mean you just have to be be ready to take whatever but make your own if if that's what it takes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and sometimes you start a podcast yeah that's right <laughs> okay so let's let's actually talk about what your job is because okay. we've been talking about how you kind of got there but so you work for the metropolitan historical commission yes. which is in nashville can you tell us what that is like what what are they do in this organization mm-hmm. so the metro historical commission was founded in 1966 i think a, a metro a metropolitan government agency it was right after the formation of the that consolidated government um, as a way to preserve historic buildings we started the historical markers program not too long after that that was actually one of the very first programs they started mm-hmm. putting up those giant like silver signs that say you know andrew jackson slept here or whatever <laughs> um and then not long after they started the historic zoning commission okay so we they're separated out we have the same director and okay. we're in the same office it's a historic house in severe park and so there's actually an upstairs and a downstairs. And so we've sort of separated historic, right. <laughs> historical commission on the first floor. And there are, there were just two people in that department for the longest time. And then they added a third position about two years ago. And then there are, I think, six or seven people who work in historic zoning. Okay. Um, and so they're the ones who, they're the ones who have to deal with all the angry people who give out the permits for, you know, tearing down your house or remodeling your historic house or whatever. And they deal with all of the overlays right. and all the angry things. Like, yeah. They never have, no one ever comes in and says, thank you so much for, you yeah. know, helping us keep the character of our neighborhood. They're like, 
I own this property. I should be able to do whatever I want. So I'm very glad to not have to do historic zoning. <laughs> right. It is, that seems much too stressful to me. Uh, but as the Historical Commission, we're, we're doing a lot more programming and research and just sort of like knowledge keepers. Okay. Um, so we have, you know, copies of all of the National Register nominations that we keep. We do a survey of the entire county, which is like 500 square miles, mm-hmm. and keep a database of historic register if it's listed or eligible to be listed okay. in the National Register. And then we have sort of a third tier, worthy of conservation, is what we call it. And usually individual houses will be WOC, and then we'll say like a whole, they could make up a whole district. If we don't tear any of these down, right. you know, individually they're kind of, they're fine. But taken all together, you know, you have something interesting or, or special. But we will sort of keep an eye on those. So we're surveying now and we're looking at things all the way up until like the mid-70s. Because mm-hmm. we know we're not going to be out again doing a survey for five, six, seven years. By the time we make our way all the way around the county. So we want right. to know what what will be eligible by the time we, we get sure. out there again. Yeah. So we do that, do a couple of conferences. There's a, an, an annual um, African-American History and Culture Conference every February that we sponsor with Tennessee State University. We do preservation awards every year, giving out awards to either people who rehabbed historic houses or built sympathetic, you know, infill right. homes uh, or commercial um, we do cemeteries as well. People, when they do, like, cemetery restorations, those can be eligible as well. Okay. And then, yeah, the historical markers and, and then sort of, you know, just things here and there. People call and, hey, I want to know more about 123 Main Street. Like, yeah. I live there. What can you tell me? And, mm-hmm. and so we'll pull information. We have, we finally did create a brochure that we send them. Here's how to research your historic home. Okay. Okay. And give them, like, what are all the resources in the county. But usually we'll have some things, and so we'll, you know, send them those things. And if it's really interesting, then we end up, you know, going down a rabbit hole of... Right. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm, like, in an 1898 city directory, like, oh, my gosh, Sally Smith lived here. And, you know, it's just, it's interesting to think about all of the, the sort of personal stories as you're getting into people's houses. So. Mm-hmm. We end up taking on more of that research than we than we mean to, but mm-hmm. but that yeah, that's a lot of it. It's just sort of random random research things here and there. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say the the house that my in laws lived in in um, Five Points won one of the commission awards. Oh, nice. I'm not sure how long it's been. It's been yeah. quite quite a long time, but they did they did tell me that story because because of the the renovations that mm-hmm. they they did to the house and um, the work that they did at the time, it was, it needed quite a bit of work. Right. And so that's, that's interesting. That's when we're cool. done, we'll have to go. That's right. Yeah. I'll have to, <laughs> to say hello. Yeah. I'll have to tell them uh, that it's the same group. We have a, in New Orleans, we have, instead of a zoning, we have, our group is called the HDLC, which is the Historic Districts Landmarks Commission. Mm-hmm. And they handle all of that yes. same stuff that, you know, <laughs> they, they do the, local historic districts and and the enforcements and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and i think they might have five or six people maybe it's the same kind of thing like it's it's kind of a small office and they have to deal with all of that stuff and 
but they work closely with other organizations, right? You know, in in hand hand in hand to to come up with new projects and stuff. Right. Yeah, and they're actually doing one which is really interesting with the PRC. They the PRC got a grant and they are starting a program to help um, low income uh, homeowners that mm-hmm. live in the historic districts who mm-hmm. may have trouble keeping their homes um, or keeping their homes up to the standards of right. what the district re- requires because they've had some issues with like um, replacement windows right. and stuff like that yeah. where the homeowner doesn't know that that's not appropriate. Right. Um, so they, they have, they're going to partner with the PRC with this grant to help those homeowners make the correct repairs for the oh, low income awesome. families that live in some of our historic districts. That's so, wonderful. Yeah. It's a really exciting project. They just like announced it a mm-hmm. couple months ago and it's, it's just in its infancy, but I, I would love to see that happen oh, like in more places too. Yeah. Cause I think it's just really, really fascinating. <laughs> Well, I think that's one of the ways you start losing the fabric of those, the lower income neighborhoods where, you know, smaller houses, you know, we're all looking for workforce housing and affordable housing. People end up just selling the house because it's, it's too much trouble trying to keep up with, you know, the standards that they should be. And then someone comes in, tears it down, builds two tall skinnies. Or right. <laughs> maybe that, maybe that's just Nashville, but. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that in New Orleans too. Yeah. I mean, they, they. You know, the HDLC will get up a fight if they if they have to for, yeah. for things like that. But no, we, we have that problem too, for sure. I have a I'll I'll show you a picture when we get done. Excellent. Oh <laughs> of one that I found the other day. Okay, so you basically talked about my next question, which is the work that you were doing when you were an intern there mm-hmm. and, and how that transitioned into like your full time job, which is really cool. I'm gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna like mm-hmm. shove my way in somewhere yes. now. <laughs> Like, hello, this is what I've decided. Intern. I thought it was very nice of them to say I was an intern mm-hmm. instead of just like volunteer. Right. <laughs> Person who shows up and like <laughs> takes up space at a desk for, you know, two days a week. Mm-hmm. They were they were very gracious to <laughs> to consider me an intern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. It, it's it's great that that worked out for you. I really like hearing those kind of stories. Yeah. So now your position is historic preservationist. One. One, yes. Okay. But there and are no twos or threes. Like we're, all, we're all at <laughs> we're the all same ones. level. <laughs> yes. I think in some cosmic way we yes. are. I mean, doesn't That's that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what what are your roles now, now that you're like officially historic preservationist one, full time? Can you expand a little bit more? I know yeah, you talked absolutely. some of it already, but like a little bit more maybe. So since I started part time when one of the full time uh, staff members went down went down to part time and then she eventually when she left I sort of transitioned in, you know into her full her full job title but since we were essentially job sharing for eight months you know I didn't I didn't get to like pick these are the things I want to do this is what she was doing she was doing the historical markers mm-hmm. so I started doing you know the historical markers um, same th- same thing with section 106 had a little bit of experience with that, but I ended up going, I went to a training, you know, the month after I started right. uh, full time. And, and so then I, I now had the most experience doing section <laughs> 106 in the office. So I, I do that review. So we're a consulting party for any section 106 projects going on in Davidson County. We consult, um, you know, with the, the federal agency and the SHPO 
a lot of the stuff we do is with MDHA. We have a programmatic agreement, which is the Metropolitan Development Development and Housing okay. um, Authority. Uh, so like the local, the local arm of HUD. Okay. Um, so we have a programmatic agreement with them to to review any of their Section 106 stuff at the local level first, which is usually, I mean, could be something as minor as, you know, we're replacing a roof or, you know, doing, you know, my sort of minor home repairs that people are getting, you know, grants through MDHA for, um, or even, you know, big projects like they're tearing down all of the existing public housing and rebuilding them. So we have right. to, that's, you know, a much bigger, much bigger project. Can you do just real quick in case yeah. we have somebody that listen that's listening that doesn't know what Section 106 is? Can you just a yes. just sort of a quick <laughs> overview of like what what that is, like the standards and, and kind of how it works? Because I don't, I may have touched on it a little bit before, but yeah. I don't know if I have or okay. not. So Section 106 review is Section 106 of the National Historic Preservation Act of 1966 says basically if federal funds are involved, if you're using federal money to do a project, then you have to evaluate the project area to see if any historic properties, which they classify as National Register eligible or listed properties, if any of those historic properties will be affected. Once you determine if they will be affected, then you have to say, is it an adverse effect or not? Mm -hmm. Just up up the road from where we are sitting right now, they're putting in sidewalks on Lebanon Pike. Okay. That was a project I actually remember reviewing about a year or so ago and digging up the front lawn of historic properties is an effect, but it's not an adverse effect Mm -hmm. on any of these it's a, you know, it's a commercial corridor. There should probably already be a sidewalk right. there in the first place. Um, so that was, you know, we said no adverse effect and it moved on pretty smoothly through the process. So that that's what you have to determine is, is it just an, it's an effect. It, you know, obviously it's affecting something, but it's not bad. Or is it an adverse effect? If it's an adverse effect, how do we mitigate that? Mm-hmm. And that could be saying you can't do it. Tearing down this historic property is an adverse effect on it. You cannot, or you can, but we want you to do survey photos, measurements. We want drawings. You have to do, you know, something else. Um, whatever you sort of come up with a plan, what will make up for whatever thing it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then... So we're sort of the local level of that. It's been, it's really it's up to the federal agency, if that's the F- FCC or HUD or whomever, and they work with the SHPO, with the State Historic Preservation Office, um, to do that. And, and you have to involve consulting parties. Mm-hmm. So anyone who is involved uh, or could be affected by the project. So the Historical Commission is always a consulting party here. Uh, when you're doing Section 106, you also have to uh, reach out to any um, any Native American tribes to see if they want to uh, that that are in that have connections to the area to see if they want to comment as well. We're doing something right now that could affect the Eighth Avenue Reservoir. Okay. Um, so Metro Water is involved in that process. Okay. The fire marshal is involved. Right. In that. They're going to be blasting right next to it. 
Okay. They said it'll be fine. Not like that reservoir has ever busted and flooded everything before. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it will be fine. Um, but yeah, so it just sort of depends. And sometimes neighborhood organizations can mm-hmm. can be consulting parties as well. So if there's an adverse effect, then you just gather everybody together, figure out what the best solution forward is, and then go from there. Okay. That's a, that was a really was that good, good? Yeah. Okay. no, that was really good. Yeah, no, that's a really good description. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I've really talked about that before. Yeah. And I wanted to it's, make sure it's because kind of it's, it's coming up a lot thing. lately. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. I mean, most of what I do with section 106 now is not even actually section 106, I guess. Uh, small cell towers. Okay. So there's sort of a fight. I don't know if you guys, if you, you probably have them in New Orleans. You may not know yeah. that you do until I, I show you a picture, and then you'll see them everywhere. Okay. <laughs> um, but basically, you have the, the big cell towers, those big, giant things. Those go through Section 106, and they pretty much know how to put them where they need to be without, you know, it being an adverse effect on historic properties, because they're out, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but giant. Yeah. But then to complete coverage in city areas... They do small cell towers, like, at every intersection. Oh. And it basically, it only covers the intersection. There's 4G, and then there's 5G as well. And I'm sure, I mean, they'll just keep changing them every few few years. But there was a federal ruling that not only was it, at first they ruled it's not an adverse effect, which we could argue about that. Right. But then there was a ruling it's not even an undertaking so that is, and that's what you have to have in order to trigger Section 106. Right. A federal undertaking. So I still review them for Nashville because we have our own sort of permitting process and they just kept me looped in. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, companies like Verizon and AT&T and all of them, they don't want to fight with the city all the time. So right. they're, they're playing nice and listening when I say, oh, would you consider moving it to the pole across the street or paint it so it matches or whatever they really don't have to though yeah i mean their lobbying groups wrote wrote that law and so they can kind of do whatever they want there's a state law as well Mm -hmm. um that does the same sort of thing but that takes up i mean i've i've approved five or six hundred of those in the past wow year and a half wow so yeah. things people don't think about when they <laughs> yes. when you go into preservation, you might be approving cell phone towers. That's right. <laughs> yes, very very fun. Um, but mostly, yeah. I mean, other than that, it would be you know big projects that come along every you know once every year. Or so they're redoing a lot of the public housing in Nashville, and they did they tore down one of the earliest public housing projects. Mm-hmm. They're tearing down part of it right now, I guess, actually. And, and, but it was eligible to be listed in okay. the National Register. So for that one, we, we let them. Mm-hmm. But we did ask for, we asked for drawings and for photos. And they are listing, they're keeping one of the buildings, the administration building. And we okay. asked them to list that building. Mm-hmm. And then we also asked them to hire a consulting firm and do a survey of public housing in Nashville. Okay. So now we have a, a good document of exactly how public housing progressed in Nashville. There are, there are a couple that were built by the National Housing Authority and then 
everything else was built lo- built locally, you know, through about the 70s. And so now we have sort of a really good framework for what that looked like and how that fits into the larger picture. Because they plan on renovating every single one of of the projects right so we'll have we'll we'll just be better informed yeah for the next one that they want that they want to do well that's good they're doing the same thing in new orleans too they've Mm -hmm. been tearing a lot of stuff down Mm -hmm. and rebuilding in like a a nicer more modern style i guess but then we have all these brick a lot of them were done in brick which is not a super common Mm -hmm. down there for like that that kind of style i Mm -hmm. guess so that's been interesting to see. Yeah. That those reconstructions and stuff. So Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean they're reconfiguring streets, in fact, for one of them. Huh. The the viewpoint at the time was to make it an insular community. Uh-huh. And it was this sort of bucolic English village sort of thing. So it's in East Nashville. You know, where all the streets are on a grid and it's just cut off in this one little corner. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was a good idea in the 50s when they did it. And it's not so great now. Right. You know, just sort of concentrating poverty and and things like that. So now we're opening opening it back up. And so now those streets will be reconnected. Ninth Avenue or Ninth Street will now connect back to Ninth Street. And people will be driving through that area, not just... You know, sort of avoiding it it and arounding it and and things like that. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I think it is actually really interesting. It's been, it's been eye-opening to go through the whole process for sure. Yeah. I've been, this, this, the public housing topic has come up recently just in like random things Mm -hmm. that I've been, articles and, and books and stuff that I've been reading. And it is it is really interesting the way that they looked at it when mm-hmm. they were designing those, you know, in the, the 40s and the 50s and the way that they thought they were going to be like those right. little insular communities yeah. or whatever. And, and then the sort of spectacular failure right. <laughs> that they turned into after 10 and 20 years. Right. And, I mean, there's some good books out there. I have them on my, my read list. I yeah. haven't gotten to them yet, but it is a really interesting topic. Yeah. That I think people don't don't really think about very often. Yeah. So let's talk about um, let's move on to your big special project. Yeah. That I'm really excited about. I love hearing these kind of things. So it's called Nashville Sites. Yes. And it's related to the Historic Markers program. Um, kind of. Kind of. Okay. So what is Nashville Sites and how will it work? All right. So Nashville Sites will be a mobile-friendly website that allows people to do free, scholarly, self-guided tours, mostly of downtown, although we are reaching out into other neighborhoods, and then eventually we're wanting to do driving tours as well. Okay. Um, It did start as sort of an extension of the marker program or adjacent to the marker program our historical markers have about 80 words on them Mm -hmm. so you can't say very much right and and so the the original idea was to you know put a qr code or something on the markers so that when you you went up to it and you saw it you could scan that and just read more Mm -hmm. like you know an encyclopedia entry that would just be more Um, and it's really morphed into just so much more than that. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of markers. We have over 200 historical markers, uh, just metro markers and 
probably at least that many state markers in the county as well. But there are still a lot of things that, that don't have a historic marker mm-hmm. um, that you know we wanted to include on, on these tours. So Dr. Mary Ellen Pethel um, is a... She is the head of the history department at Harpeth Hall, uh, which is a, a, a an all-girls school here in Nashville. Okay. She was doing, like, a, I think, like, a postdoctoral certificate at George Mason. Mm-hmm. I think it was George Mason. And, in digital humanities. Okay. And her, part of her project was, was to create, you know, some sort of a, a website, um, walking tours, something like that. And she is on the... MHC Foundation Board. Okay. So MHC is, we're a government agency, so we only get, you know, the money that the council and the mayor right. gives us. Right. So we have a 501c3, like a friends group, mm-hmm. um, which is our foundation um, that can raise money to, yeah. to do other things for us. So she's part of that group, and so she thought, oh, well, if I have to do this for class, I might as well make it something that could actually be be you know a real project yeah and under her leadership it was her myself tim walker who's the executive director of the uh, historical commission just sort of started brainstorming and we looked at you know a, a lot of other cities and sites and places that are doing this and there's nothing there's nothing really like this out there not definitely not in nashville but not really anywhere else that we could we could find mm-hmm. either um, so it seemed like a, a good way to grow grow this market wanting really to focus on it being scholarly of you can trust the information that you're getting here it's not you know just a wikipedia entry or, or something like that mm-hmm. so we developed i think we're going to launch with 22 tours wow which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet. We will at least have 15. I have 15 written yeah. and recorded <laughs> and ready to go right now. But uh, yeah, I think we'll be at 20 or 22. Yeah, so there will be QR codes. And, and really, this would not have been possible without the iOS update, where now your camera is a QR code reader. Right. I never downloaded one of those QR code reader things, and I'd never even opened a QR code yeah. until... <laughs> Suddenly, my camera can just do it on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that with that, it makes it a, a lot easier. The QR codes will go some on markers, some on buildings, some will be on like street signs. We've uh, worked with Public Works to to approve that, and you can pull it up on your phone. You can read it on your computer at home if you're just interested and want to know about the Ryman Auditorium. You can read. We'll have metadata, sort of like. Going back to my my collections intern experience, you know, a, a description and information about, you know, who built this building, when was it built, who were people associated with that building, subjects, keywords, sending you to other resources that are related to, to that entry. And then the Ryman will be on the Women's History Tour okay. because of Lula Nath, mm-hmm. who was, who's the manager there, who, who really sort of made the rhyme and what it is today but it will also be of course on the music tour and on the architecture tour and on the religion tour since it was built as the union gospel tabernacle in 1892 so each tour will give you different information but the the metadata entry will stay the same like here is the rhyme and you know basic information and then each tour is slightly different 
So we have a lot of things that overlap, but then some things that are only on, you know, one tour or something like that. And people can, you can just wander around downtown and, and look at different things, or you can take specific tours focused on architecture or women's history. Women's suffrage is going to be a big one with the anniversary uh, being celebrated in, well, everywhere. But I think Tennessee is especially yeah. excited to celebrate the, uh, the, the centennial next year. And then and lots of music tours, of course. Music Row, which is a big preservation concern right. for everyone right yeah. now. So yeah, you can, you can just walk around at your own pace. You can read them. There's also audio. We're, we're getting a lot of local people who are involved in, uh, in specific areas. Um, we have a, a well-known architect in town um, who recorded the Broadway architecture tour. Okay. People in the music industry recording yeah. the music tours. So you can just listen to it or you can you can read read along on your phone or at home. It sounds so cool. Yeah, it's um, going to be like, exciting. Super excited about it. <laughs> so you said that that you had you're going to try to launch with 22? 22, yes. 22. What's the is there like an ultimate goal for you guys to have a specific number or is it is it going to be an ongoing like keep building and adding to it? Or? I think it will be yeah, something that just that just keeps going. So for right now, they're mostly downtown. I think we have one, two, three, three or four tours that are not downtown right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we would like to branch out. We, you know, we haven't done anything in East Nashville right now. We could do something in the five points sort of commercial area, but we can also do something more in the neighborhoods, you know, Lachlan Springs or Eastland and, and things like that or do we want to definitely do a, a larger driving t music tour I think people will be surprised whenever you take the the first music tour you're like well what about this well what about this well you know there are so many things that could be on there they will eventually expand and I mean things are always we're always discovering new stuff oh did mm -hmm. you know that this building is related to this person who could be on this tour so I think we'll keep adding to the tours. We'll keep just adding on more and more things. And I think we we will eventually have an app as well. Mm -hmm. Most most of the ones that we've looked at have apps as well. Yeah. Or are just apps, not a, not a website. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to make it so that people could use it not when they are downtown as well, just yeah. from their from their computers. But it's a lot easier to tell you exactly where you are on a map. In an app, right? <laughs> versus on a website, um, so that that's a little issue we've we've run up against. But I th yeah, I think we'll just develop the app as well. We'll develop driving tours and just keep keep going yeah. <laughs> as big as yeah. we can. Yeah. So what what have your duties been in working on this? Have you been doing the background research, like a little a little, bit, little bit of everything? Yeah. Okay. So I'm officially I'm the director of tours. Okay for this project. So I have I have written a tour, the very exciting civic and public spaces okay. tour. <laughs> Been doing a lot of research. We have over 200 like individual sites that we have written metadata for, mm -hmm. and that's everything from collecting, you know, latitude and longitude coordinates to finding out who built the building, who owns it now, writing that 100-word description. I've, I've done a lot of that, but a lot of editing, Okay. really. We have had 
we've been very fortunate to have a lot of interns working on this project. So Mm -hmm. we had, in the first summer, we had one graduate intern from MTSU. Last summer, we had just the one. And then this year, we've had four or five. So we've had a couple of grad students, one undergraduate who actually goes to to UVA, and then... um, a couple of high school students who who are actually working with the historical commission as part of a like a citywide program just to get people involved in in city offices hmm. but they they've been great for doing some of the the less glamorous yeah. <laughs> inputting of of data but yeah so they they sort of do the the nitty-gritty putting stuff in and we go back through and and just check and we have a style guide that we came up with so we're making sure everything sounds the same okay there is a girl who was a student of dr pethel's at she now teaches at belmont as well and and is sort of being funded belmont is a partner belmont university is a partner of nashville sites by giving dr pethel space at the university and okay and she's teaching classes which usually incorporate into this so the students are writing some of the okay. of the copy for the the narratives uh, but one of her former students has actually sort of come on uh, in a part-time capacity as the director of marketing so we have a whole marketing and nice. social media plan yeah. so yeah there's there's a lot of moving parts right now we're working on we just got the the CMS for the back end, so we're inputting all of the data. Oh, we've been keeping things in, you know, Google spreadsheets and right. Dropbox paper. We've been big fans of of that, and now it's just a matter of getting everything over onto onto the website and right. testing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been a lot. Of, it's a lot of sort of just making big picture, which I'm not always the best at, mm-hmm. but sort of big picture, keeping everything moving forward together yeah yeah it sounds like a lot of pieces a lot of pieces yeah yes yeah i was i was looking at so i I know that you were talking about the apps that i know the historic charleston foundation has an app that that i've kind of played with but Mm -hmm. i haven't like used it you know because i haven't been to charleston since (laughs) since they've created the app so that looks really cool and I think there's one, New Orleans, there's one in New Orleans too, but I think theirs is also sort of more like, it's actually website-based, kind of right. more like yours. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that like, I I haven't really seen it come up that much. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, oh, it makes me wonder if people even realize that it's, right. you know, that it's there and it's been created. So who's doing the, like the actual building of the website stuff? So we... We actually have a, a web development team that's been okay. working on that. Um, they're called Fog House. Okay. H A U S, and they've been building that for us. They've been with us since the beginning. Um, so Tim, my you know, the the MHC director, and then Mary Ellen, just went on you know a grant writing spree, and we're going to pitch meetings, and we actually have a ton of sponsors from local foundations mm-hmm. um, who want to be involved and I mean they raise like two hundred thousand dollars wow for us to get started in this first phase yeah um, so we were able to pay somebody to really do you know the the best right. job <laughs> that, that we could possibly have at least for this first phase of of the website and I think that was that was really important it was we have to to start out at a high level instead of you know, I mean, because we have something that's up right now. If you go to nashvillesites.org right now, 
you'll be pretty disappointed. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty, like, basic, there's, like, 40 music sites on there. And it's sort of a, a, a template. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've done a great job of, of building something. And, and we're constantly looking at that and testing. And we just had a meeting yesterday where we have a whole list of things. Like, oh, we sat down at first and we're like, this is great. We love this. This is amazing. And by, like, an hour and a half later, we're like, here are 50 things that you need to change <laughs> right. that we would we would prefer. You know, I want to be able to drag and, and move this here instead of clicking the arrow. And I want to have this over here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and they may or may not change all of those things. It'll be fine if they don't. But, yeah, they've, they've done a great, a great job. And they're going to continue to work with us. So they're, so I'm sort of making, getting all the interns wrapped up for the summer Allie's working on the marketing plan. Mary Ellen is getting back to school for the fall semester, but she and Tim are also sort of doing that next phase of fundraising. Mm-hmm. And we gotta we gotta raise more money. Right. And when we launch in November, I mean in October we are starting phase three mm-hmm. before we even launch this yeah. last phase. You know we'll be starting on okay, well what are the driving tours going to look like? What are the next tours that we want to do? What neighborhoods want to be involved? Mm-hmm. Who do we need to be talking to about about doing all of those things? Mm-hmm. So it never ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's so cool. Yeah, it's just a, it's, it's so cool. I'm so excited about this. I love this kind of stuff, and it's so much more interesting to have it like this than like, you know, um, I don't know. I keep thinking we have a cemetery in New Orleans that mm-hmm. has these like things, and you can go to like. You can go to the office and get the little paper map right. and kind of go around to the points in the cemetery, and that's fine. But having the, the website and the apps mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, it really is just like it's moving history and preservation to into this century, yeah. into this technology. Absolutely. And this is where it's this is where it's heading. Yeah. And it's just so cool to see these kind of projects coming out. I just love it. It's yeah. so exciting. We're very excited. Yeah. I love hearing what everybody's <laughs> doing. I just get so stoked about everybody's projects. Well, I they, so uh, the Historic Charleston Foundation, mm-hmm. you you know, when you sent me information before the uh, the interview I'd never, I didn't even know that they had like their app. I was very, I mean, I, I liked the look of it. And I, so I sent it to, you know, the other people on my team and, and we started looking into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there's audio on that one as yeah, well. Yeah, so. I love the audio stuff. I feel I, like anytime I talk about this one, it's just someone already knows about something like kind of similar or, oh, have you looked at this? And so we're always getting ideas from, from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the look, the look and feel of the, of the Charleston app is really good. Yeah, I like, I like it. I, the only reason I know about it is I just happened to follow them on Instagram. Oh, okay. And so they, I think this was like maybe last summer was when they, when they launched theirs or the end of mm-hmm. last year. I don't remember exactly when it was. And so I just happened to, to see it. Yeah. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have known it was there either. <laughs> Historic Cleveland has, we use their, them a lot mm-hmm. uh, in sort of the initial stages of our planning. The, uh, theirs is a website, I believe. Okay. I don't think there's any audio, but they have a, they have a good website and a, a good sort of aesthetic for, mm-hmm. for that. So mm-hmm. if you, if you're interested in learning yeah. some more Cleveland history. Sure. Cle- I mean, it, I haven't really thought that much about Cleveland, but I could get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I knew nothing about Cleveland. So yeah. I, I thought it was awesome. Okay. Well, um, I'm super excited about all this, but I think, I think we're getting sort of close to the end. So right. 
it's time to start with with my usual questions. <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing about preservation? I think it's got to be the just the stories that that come out of of the research. You start looking into into one thing, and all of a sudden, I know. You know the names of the children of the people who lived in this house when it was first built mm-hmm. um, and being able to stand in front of it and think wow like someone 150 years ago stood right here and would have seen this house exactly as I am or would not have seen this house <laughs> exactly as I am right you know I wonder what they would you know what what would they have seen what would they think of of what it's turned into or whatever I I think that's just it's fascinating it Trying to humanize all of the the stories that we that we learn. Mm-hmm. And so, on the flip side, what what is your least favorite thing? And do you have any preservation pet peeves? <sighs> and you can be really democratic about this because sometimes people they have like a whole list and they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I should talk about that. <laughs> um, but I can guarantee you, whatever it is, there's a bunch of other yes. people out there that would totally agree with you. Well, I think as a as a government agency, we're really limited in what we can do. Mm-hmm. If it's not federal funding, then there's no 106. Then there's no, you know, unless there's it's in an overlay or it's been protected by some other means. You know, if you want to tear down your house, you can do that. If it if it's not in an overlay or you're not using federal money to do it, like there's nothing we can do. Right, and people outside of I think outside of the preservation field and and sometimes even just people not directly adjacent to the the project don't realize that mm-hmm. and will get very upset you know why are why are you letting them tear that down yeah, I can't do anything about it do you want me to tell you that you can't you know paint your back stairs like I like that would be the same thing like I have no more control over telling you what you can or can't do to your property than I do to these people and I thankfully I don't have to be the one to to say those (laughs) things to people but since we're all in the same building we all sort of get lumped in all together Mm -hmm. um yeah I mean that it's just it's frustrating to try to explain constantly because we're constantly tearing things down that maybe shouldn't be torn down Mm mm-hmm you know, what exactly the roles are, what you can and can't do, and why being listed in the National Register doesn't mean that you can't tear down right. your house. So. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. That I think that's a big... That, that comes up quite often with a lot of people. Yeah. I think there's just so much misconceptions out oh, there yeah. and I, I don't know where it got started or why these these things have spread so yes. far about how preservation works and like what preservationists do I, I don't know how I don't know how to combat it besides doing stuff like <laughs> yes, this just exactly. spreading information we just have I, to tell people yeah I don't know do you have any advice for someone looking to get into preservation I would think kind of what we talked about at the beginning don't be afraid to to make your own way and to do something you didn't necessarily think you you wanted to do you know be willing you have to be flexible be willing to take that job that doesn't maybe doesn't seem like it's the perfect fit you know a lot of times job descriptions are pretty open to interpretation (laughs) once you actually get into them 
but yeah, I mean, you, you can really make, make your own path. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think a lot of people are doing that now with, with podcasts, with, uh, consulting, with all kinds of different, different things that, that they're doing. Um, there's no one path. Mm-hmm. There's no one right way to get into this. You don't have to decide as a child that you wanted to No, I mean I liked books and at 25 yeah. I thought I would that I would conserve books for my you know the rest of my life and I've ended mm-hmm. up in this couldn't be further from what I thought I would I would be doing at the beginning of my sort of training so just being open to to new possibilities mm-hmm yeah, I think I've only had one guest that knew when they were really young that this is what they wanted to do. Everybody's everybody's kind of come at it from different angles, which is just, yeah, it's just great. It's, I it's love life. It. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> things happen. I mean, yeah, if there wasn't a recession in 2007, like, who knows, I would have, or if I'd gotten, you know, gotten a job in PR at that time and miraculously hung on to it somehow <laughs> i mean yeah you just never know what's going to happen so every mm-hmm. everything that you do can always be an opportunity and a way to to learn and bring that to you know whatever whatever job you end up mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. so if our listeners have any questions or they want to get more information about the nashville sites how can they get in touch with you so they you can email me uh jessica.reeves at nashville.gov there is a nashville science <laughs> you can t- i've been trying to get the web developers to try to put up a like under construction uh, website or something but you can go to nashvillesites.org and just see you know sort of the our earliest ideas about what the site may have looked like and we are on social media so facebook twitter and instagram um, at Nashville sites, all one word. Okay. Um, so you can follow them and we have a very cool Instagram social media plan. So be on the lookout for that. Once okay. we, once we start posting, it'll, it'll be really cool okay. to see all of that. Great. And I'll put, I'll put links to all that in the show notes. So Excellent. if people are looking um, at my website, they can just click through and find everything Perfect. and, and your email and everything too. Great. Okay, um, I think that's about it for today. Thank you for being a guest on the show, Jessica. All right, thanks so much. Sure. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Let us know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. If you would like to get a direct link to our guest's information or just want to give us a shout, you can contact us by visiting our website at preservationdestination.com. There you can check out each show's notes and much more information about the podcast. If you prefer good old-fashioned social media, we are also on Instagram and Facebook as Preservation Destination. Feel free to give us a like and click the follow button to stay informed about upcoming episodes. Again, thank you for being with us, and we hope you'll join us again next time here on Preservation Destination.